Welcome to You Dive Deep, where we dive into a single question each week and navigate through this tough thing we call life. Come on, let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of You Dive Deep. Before I have a chance to introduce my phenomenal guest for this episode, I just want to let all of you know if you have a topic or a question you would like us to discuss in future episodes or you yourself want to be a guest on this show, you could email me at youdivedeep at gmail.com. Yep, I got official. I, I even made me a Gmail. Look at me go. But with all of that being said, I want to welcome my guest, Teamer. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, Tommy. How's it going? Oh, you know, I've been looking forward to this for a little bit, and that is actually high praise because I'm recording this on Sunday, and there's a couple playoff games today, NFL, and I was like, no, no. I'm obviously excited to see those, but I'm very much looking forward to speaking with Teamer. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to let all of the listeners get to know you a little bit better, but who better to introduce yourself than you? So I just kind of want to ask you that loaded question of who are you? Oof, that's a big one. Um, first off, I, I got to point out, I'm super honored. I know how important football is for you. So the fact that we're recording today <laughs> is just biggest thing in the world to me. Um, but yeah, that question of who am I, that's a huge one. And I'm sure all your guests kind of like don't know where to start. So I guess um, first thing is like, I, I am one of your friends from like back in the day. Um, we're talking like first day Throwback. of sixth grade. Oh boy. Everyone's awkward stage. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's the most awkward one. And I should know I'm um, the other, uh, come with some of the other big parts of me. I'm a high school and middle school music teacher nowadays. Uh, I teach in South Philly. So I get to experience those awkward days of middle school and high school every single morning. <laughs> it's Groundhog's Day for you, just oh, all the time. It's just so fun to watch other human beings navigate that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I teach music. I went to I went to undergrad for music composition and history, and also German language. Uh, I'm finishing up my master's degree in Hi Rosie, that's my dog. If you heard that. Um, <laughs> Holocaust studies and uh, genocide studies. And now I'm in a post-baccalaureate program to get my teaching certification to teach music. Wow. And none of this surprises me whatsoever because, uh, Tima, I'm sure you could ring true. Uh, obviously, we've been friends for a very long time and I've always looked up to you just because of just how successful you were at a young age, which sounds weird uh, because the way I uh, kind of measure success when you're younger is just, I, I guess, just like how, not how smart you are, but just how ambitious you are. And uh, I think I'm framing this correctly and I don't mean any offense when I say this, but you're always kind of out of the box as well, but in a way where it's not weird, but in a way of, oh, like he knows what he wants and he's very talented at specific things. But it, one thing that I always looked up to, like I said, is just how passionate and just how driven you are at just a lot of things. And I was like, oh man, I, I got to keep hanging out with Teamer because <laughs> if I do, maybe some of that will rub off on me. So just kind of hearing you not just hire your education, but just kind of, you know, just going about it. It's always just fascinating to hear. Oh, thanks. I really like that definition of success you have of like going after something you're interested in because that's definitely... um what I've been doing for my entire life, just kind of like finding things I like and then really committing to them uh, for better and for worse. So, you know, I always joke that my my undergrad experience and my graduate experience too has never been very practical, but they've always been things that have 
been interesting and I've really committed to, and they've all kind of informed different parts of me, which has been cool. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up um, because a lot of the times people have this preconceived notion of saying, oh, if I just go for, you know, some kind of degree or some of my interests, it's just not practical just because I don't see what the future holds with that skill or that degree or whatever have you. And so, you know, I don't want to get all sappy, but I mean, it's courageous within itself to be like, hey, this is just, I know this is something I enjoy. And just to see you continue, uh, not just to pursue that, but just to see, uh, obviously you've been successful up to this point to be able to do so. But I also like to give our listeners a little bit of context on our relationship, our friendship, how we got to know each other and things. And I know we also kind of, you know, mentioned it during the intro, but no, Timur and I, we go way back. Uh, and I actually have to say, way back because you know when people at you know when you think of yourself we think of each, ourselves as young i mean i'm young forever but then i think oh wait our 10-year high school what reunion is supposed to come up this year at some point obviously with the pandemic oh i'm not sure if it's happening but it's just the mental thought of yo i've been removed from high-. but anyway we go way back to like sixth grade and teamer uh, has also um coincidentally we also became somewhat like neighbors and stuff like that too we lived in this little development i lived in a townhouse and teamer lived in this awesome like it was an awesome house but it was also used to be like a barn but that also has a little bit of reason of what we're talking about today but uh i know i'm kind of rambling but Teamer, what we've been friends for so long, and I know I kind of mentioned it to you that I might do this, but I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, when, when did we first become friends? Do you have any memory of us getting to know each other and things like that? How annoying I was, so on and so forth. I mean, I I literally remember the first conversation we had because oh. um, the the context is like I had just moved uh, to this this part of the world. So I was living in um, Connecticut for a while beforehand. And then the summer before sixth grade, we moved to Pennsylvania and we started, you know, I had like a month here before middle school started (laughs) and you were one of the first other children I talked to at school because our homeroom teacher, I don't know if you remember this, but our homeroom teacher walks in, he was a real weird dude. And he was just like, (laughs) all right, chillins, you're going to organize yourself and sit in alphabetical order based on middle name. And very confidently, I went to the back of the room because I'm like, my middle name's Quinn. No one's rivaling that. And then you were there. And you're like, I I think I'm going to be the last one. I'm like, why? What's your middle name? And you're like, I don't have one. And then I just (laughs) kind of went from there. No, and that's fantastic only because it also shines a special light to me and how dumb I was then. I do have a middle name. It's it's, it's my Korean name, but I mean, at that age, uh, as a lot of my listeners know, English is also my second language and things like that. So in my head, I was like, no, I don't have a middle name. And then later, as I like grew up a little bit older, like right around when I want to say maybe eighth grade, I looked at like not my birth certificate, but that's when you start looking at like your um, IDs and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait, I did have a middle name. So. Tim, I just want to let you know our entire relationship started on a lie, <laughs> but I'm glad that it brought us together because like Timur said, um, I mean, he has just had such a fascinating life uh, moving from Connecticut and just talk about pressure, Timur. How nervous were you going into middle school when you're like, yo, I've only been here for like a couple of weeks. It was terrifying. <laughs> I, I was already like a super shy kid um, to begin with. And my dad dropped me off and was like, okay, you're going to do great. Everyone doesn't know each other, but everyone knew each other. Cause even <laughs> though it was like three elementary schools feeding into one building, yeah, everyone yeah. already had friends. And I'm like, ah, I don't know what's happening. And I had my dumb little bowl cut and stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of have, I have a question I'm curious about. Cause um, 
one one part of my work in this uh, school is that I really drive the diversity, equity, inclusion work mm-hmm. um, for it. And I'm I'm just curious, like you not telling talking about your Korean last name. This is might be a bag of worms. Who knows? Um, was that part of like the, our, the school we went to was very white and not <laughs> super um, inclusive? Was that at all part of that? Um, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because it's not something I'll readily admit, but it definitely was weighing in the back of my mind because I think you out of most of my friends will probably relate to the most because you literally change states to different parts of, you know, environment worlds and things like that, especially at that young age, you're like, I'm just entering a new world and stuff. But for me, like I said, I was a first generation, grew up really poor because my parents are immigrants. And I had a a little bit of a struggle getting the English language down because when I was younger, yes, of course, we spoke English here and there throughout the house, but it was predominantly Korean. And so that's something that had a strong grasp on. And as I went through elementary school, I worked really hard to get rid of my accent. Um, I I worked really hard to kind of get a better grasp because I would use like the past tense for present, you know, like those weird things as like a child who doesn't know the English language will say wrong. But long story short, I didn't, I don't, it's such a bad way to say it, but I almost wanted to like delete all of my Koreanness, if you will, because not that I would get bullied, but uh, I was also pretty overweight for most of my life, especially when you're just a little young and you're like, oh, look how cute he is. He's so chubby. Then you look at me, you're like, oh God, <laughs> chubby is cute. But I mean, on that guy, he's on that obesity scale. So I had like a lot of reasons to be picked on. And I definitely didn't want me being like new to English and stuff. So I think you're right. I know I kind of took a long way to go about it. But I also think um, I definitely tried to hide uh, at that point. Maybe it was like a, a supplemental thing. Be like, no, you don't have a you don't have a middle name, man. Just go to the back. You ha- you don't have to explain anything. You won't have to stand in the H because my middle name now is Hyunsuk, which is my uh, Korean name, of course. But at that time, even if that thought came into my mind, it was, it was so quickly deleted. Be like, nope, nope, don't make yourself open to anything. Just hang out with this awesome guy who said his middle name is Quinn. And uh, let's just stay quiet. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing, Tommy. Oh, no, absolutely. And you're, you know, you're dropping great questions for me as well. So I feel like you flipped the table. But hey, I'm about to uh, turn this back around on you and point my uh, crosshairs and say, well, one of the many things, like I said, that uh, I really admire about Teamer and stuff is... Here, let me give a little bit of background. So we lived in this little development. Like I said, I lived in a townhouse and Timur was only like, you know, like two streets away from me. But that's when like, so the way that our development was made, like uh, when you enter, there's one part of it where it's all like townhouses and another part where it's all like normal houses, like an actual house. And so it was always funny to me because growing up poor, I was so happy that I got a house. And then I was like, oh yeah, and we also live in a development. Look at us go talk about middle class. And then um, when you take a left turn, that's where all the townhouses are. And that's obviously where I lived. And I was like, so happy I was a house. And then you literally just not even go straight later. And you see like these gigantic houses. I was like, oh, I'm a fraud, but I still live here. So whatever. But uh, with that, you know, all joking aside, Timur lived in this really cool house. Give them a little bit of background on it. It, You said it was like it used to be the barn and this Langston itself used to be like a big farm or you you probably know the history better than I do. Uh, Yeah. So our our house and our entire development was wild time. Um, But our house, um, it was the converted barn that 
accompanied the farmland. So uh, the history of the development, it used to be farmland and like there is the, the manor house, which was right next to us, which mm-hmm. was super fancy, still is. Then our ours was the horse barn. And then the rest of what was later turned into homes was all like farmland and pasture. Um, and so I guess in like maybe the 60s or the 70s, they converted it to turn it into like a living space for humans. So there's um, <laughs> the main building, which had it, they built an extension on it for, for like where my bedroom was in the children's rooms. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, there was a big space for, that was turned into the master suite, which was a very fancy way of saying it. Um, this, this place was a bit of a fixer upper. Let's, <laughs> let's be polite. It was not the most amazing thing. Um, that was where the horses lived. And then there was like a hayloft up above and then a couple outbuildings. So uh, there cool. was a chicken coop that later my dad and I converted into an office before we tra- tried to sell it um, during, I guess when we were in college, that that's when that was. And then wow. um, also a corn crib, which was just like a place where they dried corn apparently. And that was <laughs> literally falling apart from rot. But uh, yeah, it was a really weird, weird drafty uh, building. I love that you're able to describe it because now that I'm older, I guess, and not that I'm wiser, but kind of putting the context in and thinking back of, I guess, I mean, it is my childhood. Like hanging out with you has been a big part of my childhood. And thinking about the context of your house, because when I was that young, I guess I couldn't really wrap my mind around, oh, this is like a different house. It's like a special house that used to be this. And now that I'm older, I'm picturing the way that I remember your house. I was like, oh my gosh, that it's like, it's such a, it's so out of the box. It's so teamer. It was like, it, it was so cool. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because, you know, although they converted the barn or the horse barn or whatever it was to a living space, I don't know if uh, your parents got that memo. I don't know if you got that memo because when you enter that house, there were a lot of beautiful, well-loved animals. And me growing up, like I said, uh, first generation, we didn't have a lot of pets. Um, And a lot of the times, like, you know, at least Koreans for that part, they don't really have pets. Maybe like that small, like, Pomeranian dog that you see every Asian people have ever. Uh, that's mostly a lot of Koreans left that. But other than that, we don't have pets. And then when I entered your house, I was like, yo, this is like the greatest interactive zoo I've ever been a part of in my life because they all love me and they, I'm like the center of their world. But Teamer, please enlighten us and uh, let me put you in a you know a time machine. How many pets, animals did you have uh, growing up at least? Oh, that that's so like if you want a number of all the pets we had from my childhood in the different houses we owned, I could not do that for you. Um, There were there are a lot of animals. Um, I think the way to frame it, though, is uh, at no point in my childhood did I have less than two dogs. Usually we (laughs) we probably averaged three. So there were sometimes we had up to four. um, Sometimes we've had two. Um, mm-hmm. and then as far as other animals, we always had at least, at least two or three cats, very similar. Mm-hmm. And then at any given time, it would be, uh, a menagerie of fish or birds. Um, yeah. So definitely when you and I started like hanging out in my house and playing video games and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. we had, we, at that point we had three dogs, an African gray parrot, about four cats, <laughs> and uh, um, probably one or two fish tanks, if I had the, if I had the guess. I love how you started 
kind of naming this off because a lot of the listeners, when I start prefacing how many animals you had, you're like, oh, at no point in my child did I ever have less than two dogs. So the listeners are like, wait, that's not a zoo. And then you're like, yeah, so sometimes we have three to four. Oh, also we had like three to four cats. Uh, we also had like three, four bird. Oh, we had this. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Now I'm outclassed. There's no way I had that many animals. But it was always fantastic. And Teamer, I did want to disclose to you, I-, I think I had this eureka moment when I was doing a little bit of research putting the show doc together when you got on. I don't know if you know this, but I had severe allergies growing up. Uh, maybe you did, um, because anytime I would come over, like they'd be so nice. They'd be like, oh, Tommy's coming over. And I'm sure that they, you know, ran a vacuum 20 times and did this and that to tidy up or whatever. But I know every time I come over, I would have a little bit of allergic reaction. But Teamer, I wanted to let you know, I somehow grew out of it. Like my sister, Eunice, she's still deathly allergic to cats. Like if even if she's in like a house that even used to have a cat, like she'd have a terrible, uh, she also has asthma. So she'd have a terrible reaction. But for me, uh, I would kind of react that way, but never that severely. But as I grew up, now I have a cat. Like I bury my face in my cat, uh, kissing him, like all his fur, like go into my eyes all over the place and it's all over my clothes and I have no reaction. And I honestly think it's because of you. Uh, because you exposed me to all these animals at once and maybe like hyper drove my sense into like, oh wait, no, this is just like pet pollen, pet hair, like you're fine. And now I have like this immunity and I honestly think I deserve to give that praise to you <laughs> because now I obviously love animals. I have a cat named Mango. He's literally my best friend, that but uh, I, I wanted to give you a shout out. I know Mango. I wanted to give you a specific shout out to be like, thank you for being my vaccine for pets, I guess. I mean... I don't know if that's how it works, but I'll take it. <laughs> oh, no, this podcast, I'm, I'm also a doctor now, so uh, I obviously know how the human body works. And let me tell you, what I just said was 100% accurate. But, you know, with all that being said, obviously, Timur has had a rich life so far, uh, having so many animals, pets in his life. So finally, let's get to that question that we want to discuss is, do we really have the right to own our pets or our creatures or animals, things like that. I know um, at face value, it's always like, oh, of course. I mean, like we enrich their lives. They enrich ours, um, everything in between. But when you really get down to the root of things, it's us as animals now owning other animals as property, pets, you know, whatever have you. So I kind of want to lay that question all out there. And I'm sure we're going to go all different places. But uh, what are your first thoughts when I ask that question? Do we really have the right to own our pets? That That's such a huge question that I, I have spent, since, you know, since becoming an adult, if we want to call me that, um, I, I have my own menagerie in my household. And I've along the way, as I've accrued animals, I've definitely thought about like this bigger question of the morality around pet owning. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of feel like there's there's two questions in there. There's the question of morality and like, is, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to mm-hmm. like own pets in the different ways that it is? Is it really owning is, is a question. Um, and there's also like that question of like, does every person, like, do we, do we have like the, the right to have a pet for like every single person being like, if I want a dog, I'm going to go get a dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, so like, where do you, where do you want to start with this conversation? Maybe morality. Yeah, honestly, let's, let's tackle the latter first. Cause I feel like we both have the same answer and I'm hoping everyone does, um, because that will be easier to answer. And then we'll really start challenging ourselves and try to breaking it down. But, uh, does everyone, is everyone entitled to a pet animal to look after? Like you said, uh, should, er- well, the answer is kind of obvious when you 
put in that kind of context, but does everyone have a right to say, hey, if I want a dog, I will go get a dog? And the easy question is, I mean, yeah, like no one's stopping anyone to get a pet, but uh, actually I might be wrong there because I feel like there's a lot more screenings that you have to go through nowadays to get an animal, which is beautiful to see. But uh, what do you think, Timur? Do you think everyone has a right to be able to get a pet if they want one? Maybe I'm biased since since I'm a teacher, but I think a lot of it comes down to education and being able mm-hmm. like to 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 be a pet owner or a pet caretaker, maybe is a better word. Um, comes down to like, do you know how to do it in a way that promotes the life of your animal? So like if you're going in and like I'm thinking about a lot about fish because this is where um, I, I currently have about a hundred gallons of fish tanks across my house, and oh that's my split across like four or five different tanks. Um, and and one thing I think about a lot is uh, within the fish keeping community, there's this discussion of how much water is enough water. I gotta emphasize that T to work past <laughs> the Philadelphia accent for a fish to live a good life right and and everyone has a different opinion on it and there are some fish like a beta fish does Mm -hmm. great in five to ten gallons um it does terribly in like a small bowl that you put on your desk that a lot of people do with their betas yeah it does it you know you could put it in a 50 gallon to 100 gallon tank but also it might be too big there it's kind of up for debate so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my first thought is is like if you're going to raise a pet you have to make sure you're you're doing it justice on giving it the conditions it needs if it's going to grow so big that it doesn't literally fit in whatever enclosure you have you have to you have to accommodate or just reevaluate there are a bunch of fish that i i think about and a bunch of other animals i think about them like I would love to raise this, but I don't have the capability to do it in a way that promotes its life. I am going to go on a limb here, and I know it's kind of not a hot take, but it's not something that's going to put me in a good light. But I think you're in the minority when you think that way before getting a pet or adopting or rescuing is no matter what circumstances happen, will I be able to adapt to kind of make sure that I could give it the best life possible? But I'm totally throwing shade here, but also not name dropping. But I am aware of some people that go out and get a dog or a puppy. And, uh, you know, they're all about it for a little bit. And then later you hear that they're crated for like 13 hours a day plus. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, you can't have a pet when it's most convenient for you. It's another living being. It has a heartbeat. It, you know, it has thoughts. And so that's when it starts to break my heart. And I very strongly lean to kind of like you said, whether it's education, open-mindedness, or just being more aware of what you're actually doing. Uh, like, Like, I guess the thought you really have to say is, am I wanting this pet for a good reason, not just to, you know, have it because it's in style or being like, oh, I want people to think I'm a good person or whatever have you, but your motives have to be correct. Do you agree there? Yeah. And that's one thing I kind of want to lampshade for a second because I, I don't, um, I don't represent myself as a ideal pet owner. Like I definitely (laughs) have things that uh, to take an example that I think about a lot is that, you know, I have two dogs. One is a pit bull mix and the other is a chihuahua mix. And the where I live right now, I don't have a yard. So I can't just like let them run around. Mm-hmm. And that's something like I am aware of and I, I want to work on like giving them a better life because like especially my pit bull mix and if I say her name, she might freak out, but her <laughs> name's Rosie. Um, Rosie! They 
you know, she has a lot of energy and you got to figure out how to get that energy out. And that's something I'm still growing on. I think it's beautiful, though, that you think about that. That's actually one of the biggest arguments I had with my wife. Uh, There was a point in my life, uh, I would say about like a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more, where I really wanted a German Shepherd. I really wanted one really badly. And uh, I live in a townhouse as well. And I my backyard, I always joke around with it when my friends come over. I'm like, hey, guys, don't freak out. Don't freak out. But I'm a landowner now. And I open up my backyard. I say, you see that? He's that 0.04 acres of land. That's all mine. And to kind of put that into context, my backyard, because it's a townhouse, everyone kind of shares it. You get like a small slab of concrete that goes out about two to three feet and then a little bit of grass. And then you kind of see a dip and then you kind of see like a little road highway and then a big industrial park parking lot. That's that's about it. But Obviously, we don't have enough room, like you said, to uh, have a dog, let alone a German Shepherd, some, another animal or another dog that has a lot of energy uh, run around. I'm like, oh, you're so right. And it's like I said, I feel like you're in that small percentage that constantly has that battle. And even before you make a big commitment, you do all that those things. But it always scares me because I know uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we are in that minority. Yeah, that's a, the the amount of people that think about this. Like, I, I don't like thinking whether or not this is a majority or a minority thing, it's one of those moments of hope where I'm like, I hope a lot of people think of this. And I think um, us having these conversations and like the on the discourse online and stuff like that is really important to this and normalizing, um, you know, taking care of pets well and thinking about it. Cause like there are a lot of times that uh, similar, my partner and I, um, we we've talked about like, okay, we, we really want to do this thing or like have this pet, but can we do it right now? And not always have we always made the right choice. Like I've totally impulse bought a, um, a, an aquarium or two. And it's <laughs> kind of like you, you do have to course correct afterwards. And like, okay, so I, I did buy this. Now what's the next step? <laughs> My favorite thing is that you impulse bought a couple of aquariums. Like for me, I'll impulse buy a couple of video games or, uh, you know, something football related. But then you have team, you're like, oh, yo, I just dropped. How much are aquariums? How do you even impulse buy an aquarium? Uh, Aren't they expensive? Uh, I, I don't want to answer that question, but I will anyway. <laughs> so um, it, the the physical aquarium itself isn't too bad. It's the filter. It's the the oh, stuff you yeah. decorate the plants. Okay. All yep. that stuff is what adds up. And um, the, you know, I have seen an aquarium itself on sale, and I'm like, oh, I'll buy it. It's it's cheap. I'm gonna want this anyway. <laughs> and then I figure yeah. out like, oh, here's what I should do to set it up. So like, uh, an example of this is like last weekend, uh, the mom of one of my best friends texted me and was like, hey, I'm getting rid of this aquarium and a filter. Uh, I'll sell it to you cheap. And I'm like, all right, do so. I'm already currently, in. <laughs> I'm working on figuring out where the space is. Um, and and with this stuff, like, it's not like I'm buying the fish uh, uh-huh. impulsively. <laughs> which uh, is a good thing, but um, I definitely have too many glass containers across my house that need filling, um, you know, but. So this sounds unfortunately like it happened more than once. Maybe the aquarium sizes are, you know, not all equal, but it sounds like it's a repetitive. How does your quote unquote partner feel like what is their reaction now when this happens? Are they like, oh, OK, here, here, here we go again. It happened or they're like, come on, man, we we. We already talked about yes. this. <laughs> so, so Robin, um, initially this was their supposed to be their hobby for, um, 
for uh, quarantine. So we did a little Christmas in July celebration to try to like make quarantine a little less uh, what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I got I got them a a um, 25 gallon hex shaped aquarium. So you can think about like a Ooh. hexagon shape and then it's a you know it's like two feet tall so it's a cool little thing um and then because i was home since uh, our school was closed and then it was summertime i i've been quickly the one to take care of the aquariums and i really mm-hmm. got deep into it and so it, it's one of those things where especially with this last aquarium i was like okay I, so I, I have this now and robin's like okay where are you gonna put it uh luckily they're very understanding because um we both know I'm the one that's going to take care of it. It's not like I'm putting extra stuff on them. I hope that's at least what I I wish is the response. (laughs) And no, no, that's just great. And it's always just nice to get different types of context and just, it's always just fun to just kind of hear, wait, 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 hold on. You're not off the hook. I want to hear the story on this now, but no, kind of like you said, I feel like a lot of, you know, does everyone at least have a right to it? I mean, yeah, t- of course you have a right to it, but I'm so thankful that the screening process nowadays are more. Unfortunately, I feel like, and I'm sure you understand too, uh, the screening processes are different depending on the pet you get. Uh, screening process for a dog or a cat is a lot more intensive uh, typically. Um, but if you get like, you know, like a hamster or a fish, they're like, okay, yeah, here you go. Like they, they don't even ask if you have an aquarium or, you know, whatever. It could just be like a little plastic carnival little case enclosure, I guess they call it a tank, but it's tiny. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it's unfortunate that the screening isn't, you know, tough across the board, but I feel like uh, from the days when we were younger, it's a lot harder to get a pet. <laughs> yeah. And that's something like you bringing up the screening process for small animals. I, I use scare quotes around that and exotic pets is, is wild and it's something like unwittingly you have gotten into a thing I have strong opinions on because um, well, you can go to PetSmart is usually the one people pick on. I have a couple PetSmarts near me that I actually really like working with the people there know their mm-hmm. stuff, but this is something that like I've seen happen. I've heard others talk about happening. So um, yeah. that you can like roll up and, the same day buy a small fish bowl some gravel and a goldfish mm-hmm. and like they'll just sell it to you and like that fish is gonna die oh 100 no answer buts because like the the thing with it is one goldfish are nasty they are gross oh yeah um because they have they have a lot of like waste product they create and that makes the water you know, unable for their life to be sustained. And then on top of that, when you just add water into a tank, it has all that junk from the treatment plant. So it has chlorine, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have the beneficial bacteria you need to have that. uh, It's called the nitrogen cycle. Mm -hmm. As soon as I say something, I'm like, what if I get it wrong? But I'm pretty sure that's right. (laughs) Um, Where it's like the cycle that controls the ammonia levels from their waste in it. Cause the bacteria goes chomp chomp and like converts it into different things that help the fish and the plants mm-hmm. in there live. Um, and like goldfish grow huge. That's yeah, something that, that a lot of folks don't realize and they will live a long time if you give them the proper conditions. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's wild to me that you can just go and buy an animal, another living creature that is, you know, effectively doomed. And I think, oh man, it, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to dive into it in this podcast, but it's almost like the notion of is one life more important than another or superior or how do we gauge that like is there an actual i don't know 
like a measurement of saying, oh, no, this is more important than this. Uh, I don't want to get into that, of course, because then we're in a huge another rabbit hole. But I feel like that's a conversation we'll have off air. But no, I think with pet ownership, I kind of have that struggle as well. Like I said, I am a cat owner right now and um, I don't have any kids or anything like that. So I always tell like everyone that actually knows me personally interact with me on like a daily basis. A, I'm sorry. And B, they hear me talk about Mango like way too much. Like he's the background on my phone. If you actually look through my like, like photo log or whatever, like all the pictures or the albums. Yeah. I'm sounding like I'm so old. Of course I know what albums are. The album on my phone, you'll just see a lot of cats at the point where uh, Emily, my wife, she was like, do you have like any pictures of me? I'm like, Oh no, you're in there. You're, you're sandwiched between like the 80 pictures of mango in between, but no, you're in there somewhere. Um, but I always have that. I know it sounds funny. I mean, it's just a cat, but I'm like, am I really giving it the best life possible? And I say that ironically because I know I am because he is one spoiled kitty. Uh, but it's kind of that too. I'm still owning another animal. Uh, like it's mine. It's my property. And I think like morally and ethically, is that correct? I think because it's a domesticated animal and evolved through it. So we depend on each other. We enrich both of our lives. It's not just a one way street. It kind of helps me frame saying, no, yeah, of course, like for his survival, I'm his best, you know, chance. And I know he's in a house of love, but Timur, what do you think of it when you think of it more philosophically? Yeah, I think about kind of the similar topic of like uh, uh, cats and dogs have largely been domesticated for co- human companionship. Dogs, dogs mm-hmm. mostly. Like if you imagine re- like just letting a dog loose into the woods in PA, that dog's not going to make it a long time. I was going to say that. Oh, it's like you need to set up a Deadpool of all right over under like three days. <laughs> but also like with cats, cat, I, I also think about like invasive species. And mm-hmm. um, when we get pets, we are also running that risk of completely messing up the ecology of wherever you are. So like there, there are plenty of places with large stray cat populations that have decimated local rodents and birds um and the same i keep on going back to like reptiles and fish because i spend a lot of time thinking about them i also have a corn snake um that a lot of those animals too like typically breed them as pets and then we end up having like a whole thing where like if a fish gets loose into the waterways in florida it's gonna mess up some stuff um but also in um in the case of like i'm thinking like leopard geckos if one got loose it, w- it would die pretty instantly because they need hot hot air in a sand kind of deserty environment Yeah. And I think uh, it's really interesting to kind of think about that because like we said, like cats and dogs, they have, you know, they're pretty much domesticated. And like I said, it's not a one way street. Um, As much as I get out of my cat, my cat, I'm sure gets out of me, you know, not just the feeding, but, you know, we we ensure that he has the most comfortable life possible. Uh, Of course, does he probably want to go outside and stuff like that? Sure. But I mean, I'm protecting him uh, for his best well-being and hopefully giving him a full life. But you also kind of touched upon it. What about those other quote-unquote wild animals that some people have? Uh, Like like one silly example is hermit crabs. They're not domestic they're just hermit crabs and you know nowadays when you walk through the boardwalk you wouldn't know any better because they're they have the shells with like you know like a little smiley face on it and you're like oh no this is a pet like of course it's a pet i got it from the boardwalk but when you really think about it i mean no it's it's a legit just a hermit crab that you know was probably just picked off somewhere and i'm sure some of them are bred and whatever for but you can't tell me that uh the boardwalk that i see in wildwood 
you know, outsource to the most humane crab growing you know, farm and get everything that way. So what are your thoughts on, I know hermit crab is just one example, but I know there's tons of examples of quote unquote, not exotic animals. Cause I'm not trying to say, Oh, Timur, do you have like a, you know, kangaroo in your backyard? That's awesome. That's a great pet. No, I don't mean to get that um, extreme. So that's why I always like to use hermit crab as a great example. Cause it really starts to make you think, how about that as opposed to a more domesticated animal like cats and dogs? Yeah, it's funny that you use hermit crabs as an example because um, have you done any reading about like the qualities of like what they need to live? I actually haven't sat down and looked at it. If I'm remembering correctly, it's there are a lot of things that you need, not a lot of things that you need to do, but what we do for them is not it at all. Yeah, that's something I, I, you know, I can't like drop my citations right now, but I could definitely send them for you to put in the show notes later. But a big part of um, hermit crabs is that like, they li- sure they live on the beach, right? Um, but they also have very like specific parameters that they need for um, quality of life and how, mm-hmm. what they as like humidity is one um also they need really specific like amount of space because like in the wild like I'm, I'm gonna exaggerate here but they like these little hermit crabs will take like a mile of beach as territory that they move through mm-hmm. and you know they sell them in literally like these hand-sized cages um so, so there, there are definitely loads of examples out there of fish, uh, fish, exotic animals, birds that really are, are taken from the space that they're in and then uh, forced into this. Um, there are a lot of wild caught birds, especially that used to be, I don't know how big of a problem it is now. I imagine it might be similar, but um, that, that were caught in the wild and then brought to be living in cages in America. Um, and that that's no good like that's one thing as a pet owner and like thinking about future animals i might want to care for um i i spent a lot of time looking into like okay so what where does this animal come from what do we think like is it something that's raised in captivity and then needs to remain in captivity is this something we're mm-hmm. catching in the wild um one interesting like kind of counter case in this is the case of the axolotls because in in the world, like in their native native habitat. Um, I think mostly, again, I'd have to look at my citations, but I remember reading that mostly due to like human conditions and human pollution, that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, axolotls, which have become like the cutest little like trendy pet out there. They, they really don't <laughs> thrive in the wild anymore. And most of them are actually, um, are actually, um raised in captivity and bred in captivity to kind of keep the species going and that's that's one thing Mm -hmm. with zoos that i I really am excited by that a lot of these um endangered animals are through breeding programs we're able to sustain and keep them around yeah absolutely and i feel like that's just even a topic for a whole nother conversation is just how are your feelings with zoos because there are very extreme opinions on both sides of the pendulum there uh even discussing that but uh, i know one thing that you mentioned are some of the benefits like there if we let it up to you know how things are going there are a lot of species that be completely wiped off just because of just the amount of climate change and just not even climate change, just man-made problems, really, whether it's deforestation or us just completely destroying the barrier reef and so on and so forth. Uh, luckily, in captivity, we're able to keep them continuing or at least surviving. But uh, you bring up a great point in that fact. But one thing I actually wanted to highlight while you were discussing is 
it's almost like uh, a media isn't the right word, but it's almost romanticized having specific paths almost as like kind of like a meme. Like, oh, yeah, it's just a goldfish. It's disgusting that carnivals that we went to gave out goldfish in a bag as a prize. Like they don't you don't even know if they have a tank at home, but you're like, oh, you threw a you know ping pong ball in a little bowl. Here is a living goldfish. Take care. Have fun. And also at that same vein, it's like I growing up as a kid i saw these little hermit crabs in these you know tiny little cages you just give them a what like a little sponge with sugar on it and that's it and to me i was like oh no that's normal that's how everyone does it but you bring up to the point where like no that's not like in nature they need much more to you know be able to sustain the life that they need they need more room and obviously with all that in mind that's it's so illogical to be able to have a hermit crab one and two like that goldfish theory it's almost like back then everyone's like oh no you just put a goldfish in a bowl or even if you don't have you know an aquarium you know just put them in a cup you'll be fine just give it a little bit of fish food you'll be fine and i know we've come a far away from that but i feel like a lot of it has to do the way that some of these pets were portrayed to have yeah definitely there's like it's weird how culture decide. it's almost like we we going back to that conversation about like what lives have value to us and how we decide that and if mm-hmm. one has more there are mm-hmm. definitely animals out there that um you know human culture maybe more accurately we could just say american culture decides have value or mm-hmm. not like people get real real uh fired up if if they see a news story about like a dog or a cat being hurt but um, at the mm-hmm. same time, that response isn't brought the same way and seeing like a fish in a bowl that doesn't work for it or like the mm-hmm. casual idea of like stepping on a spider. What gives those more value than others? Yeah. And I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm actually a victim of this as myself. Uh, when I used to live over in Kansas City, um, you know, it's all flat land there. And anytime you're on the highway, nine times out of 10, you're going to see some roadkill, whether it's like a raccoon, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, a squirrel. But to me, when I'm driving, I see roadkill. I'm like, oh, that's gross. But then if it is like a dog, like there are a few times where I saw it was a dog, a roadkill. I look over and I'm just broken. I'm like, oh my goodness, that was a dog. And that whole drive, I'm like, I'm in a different state of mind. I'm shook. You know, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. But then I think, I'm like, wait, you know, I just saw another one on my way home and it was a squirrel. And, uh, you know, it's not that I didn't care. I was like, okay, I just got to drive around this. Like I had no additional thought. And so I definitely want to say, I think you're correct though. I think it's a a lot of the way that human nature or the culture that we kind of created to be like, oh yeah, if it's a dog or cat, you know, bring out your pitchforks. But you know, if it's, especially in Pennsylvania, oh, roadkill, that's a deer. Okay, cool. Thankfully there's one less deer now. That's a horrible way to think about it, but I want it to be transparent. I'm not trying to paint myself as all high and mighty because I definitely fall victim to this a lot. Yeah. And it also takes like a lot of emotional and mental energy. Like you, you, you physically and mentally just can't mourn the loss of every single thing as much as we might want to. Mm-hmm. Our, our brains kind of no, I think you stuff. <laughs> I think you make a great point. Um, one thing I definitely did recently, I guess during the pandemic, actually went vegetarian. Uh, my waistline will tell you it's made no impact on my weight, but um, I did actually recently go vegetarian because I'm kind of in this whole world of self discovery the past year, I guess. And that's been one of the biggest inspirations to kind of start this podcast because I feel like I'm changing a lot and I want to learn from people I really admire. And so that's why when, you know, uh, we recently reconnected because we did like a little bit of a variety show online and that was a lot of fun. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But 
you know, uh, luckily our paths cross. And then in my head during this weird, you know, state I'm in, I'm like, oh my God, I, I have to talk to Timur. Even if it's like forced and it's on a podcast, I don't care. I just want to get to reconnect with him because I don't want this to be a one-off. Oh, great. Yeah. That was that one thing, fun thing I did with Timur. Maybe I'll talk to him in another 10 years when, you know, I need something else. No, that's an awful way to think. I'm hoping this continues, but you know, with all this fun, amazing conversation, would you actually be able to somehow summarize everything that we learned in just a couple sentences? I'll just ask you the same question I did at the very top, but uh, do we really have the right to own pets? Oof, summarizing. Um, I think I think really like the big takeaway is, is if you can take care of your pet, then you should take care of your pet and be conscious and ethical and... Um, think, you know, use your sense of empathy. Absolutely. I think it's beautiful in its simplicity when you say, if you want to take care of, or if you can take care of a pet or even have a plan, then yeah, go get one. And I think that is a perfect way to kind of summarize it because a lot of the times we don't fear the animal. We fear the owners of the animal and what kind of life they can give it. And I know that's when we'll kind of get you know, a, a little bit more upset or happier just depending on that situation. But with all that being said, Timur, another couple things I always like to ask, we're kind of going through this thing called life. Like I said, it, uh, we're still kids, but I mean, we're like, we're closer to 30 than we are to 20. And that's the scariest thought ever. But with all that being said, I'm sure a lot of changes you've been going through personally uh, and professionally and just, you know, overall, just as a person like I am as well. And with that being said, what are some things on your bucket list? What are some things that um, you're looking forward to doing before you have to kick the bucket yourself or maybe some different things? It's great that you point out that we're almost 30. I've been teasing. So my partner, Robin, is a couple years older than us. And I've been teasing them mercilessly <laughs> oh, no. for a couple of years now. Being like, hey, Rob, you're almost 30. And like this year, um, I believe if I got this wrong, I'm going to be super gonna Oh, you're going oh, to be in trouble. I, I'm pretty sure Robin's turning 30 this March. So <laughs> and now like it, it turns around on me. I'm like, oh, right. I'm almost 30. Um, <laughs> gosh. Um it, it's funny, this question of a bucket list, because I definitely have things that I thought I wanted, but they keep on changing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and currently what I'm settled on is like, I, I've really come to love the school I teach at and I've been teaching there for, for six years and I'd really love to wow, grow the work I've been doing that. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a wild time, especially not, um, it's a charter school, so I don't necessarily need my teaching certificate, but uh I'm excited to be getting it, but I, I, you know, I'm really excited to continue growing that school, um, being there so for long, it's been really like more than I ever imagined. It, it's really a family and a community for me. So mm -hmm. especially my work with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion there, I want to really see us achieve great things. And, mm -hmm. um, I I'm also, um, I, I do a lot of work with my entire charter network on LGBT plus advocacy, and mm -hmm. like a, as a queer person, I'm really excited to see how that changes. Um, and then like personally, I, I'm really excited to just keep on doing creative projects and maybe someday own a bigger house that I can uh, ethically and <laughs> consciously have more animals in. Because there are definitely some dream animals out there that would be uh, okay, I think, from my research to start raising. Ooh, okay. Here, how about that? We fast forward. Timur, you are now... 
uh, wealthy beyond belief. You can do anything you want. You get a bigger house, you get a bigger yard, you get whatever you want. What What are these dream animals? I'm actually kind of curious and it's on theme. So I'm actually genuinely interested to what you have to say, because as someone, I'm sure you wouldn't label this as yourself, but you are the resident animal expert. Uh, you've had a lot of pets throughout your life and it's really encouraging to hear that you do your research ahead of time. So that actually even makes me more excited to hear what are these dream pets? Full on disclosure. I do not see myself as an animal expert, just an enthusiast. <laughs> but, Robin's um, already rolling her eyes saying, how dare Tommy make Teamer's head this big? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I always, I really dream of having a room of fish tanks. Um, currently there's kind of smaller tanks across my house. Like the biggest one is 35 gallons and I'd love to have something that's over a hundred gallons so I can um, reasonably own. There are a couple of really beautiful um, catfish that I've always mm -hmm. thought about that require wow. really, really big space. So I'd love to have a setup like that. There are some folks out there with like thousands of gallons in their house. And I, while I don't really think right now I want to go that hard, but I definitely would like to go there and some of the more exotic catfish. And they're also, um, when I say shark, don't think like great white shark that like big. jaws <laughs> we're talking like dinner plate size you know river shark yeah, things yeah. they're more of a minnow i guess is, is really the body shape that they are mm -hmm. um and then i also really love the snake i have right now i have a corn snake that's named pancit which is uh the tagalog Ooh, filipino word for noodle because we're very creative. oh that's amazing see yeah. these are the layers you get with teamer <laughs> i love it yeah, and like just a little homage to my Filipino ancestry. Um, but I, I would love to um, not not anything venomous or dangerous because I think that's like something that you do just because of human vanity to say you own a uh, venomous reptile. But mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I would love to have a um, like a skink are really cool. Um, and any type of like larger lizard, not like going all on full on like tegu which is like a mini monitor like a monitor lizard or something but mm -hmm. something you know that's friendly like a blue tongue skink maybe a dragon skink something like that Ooh! so just to summarize it sounds like you eventually want to move up have an orca in your aquarium and about a kimono dragon kind of just roaming around your house just straight up chilling i think i'm very good at summarizing if you guys don't oh, yeah, that's uh, hear <laughs> Just bringing up captive orcas, you're going to like really get some attention on yourself. Oh, uh, you know, sometimes you have to have the hot takes to actually have the listeners listen to you, right? But gotta, gotta no, uh, hot takes. <laughs> but with all that being said, I would be remiss if I were to let you go, Teamer, without a question I had because I actually probably forgot and just been a terrible friend. But Teamer, that name itself is unique, but there's no other name that you can go by. Like, there's no other name that fits you. Uh, the funny joke I always say is my name is Tommy. Uh, I feel like that name does, or Thomas, uh, professionally in my life, everyone in college and all my workplace, they all call me Thomas, but I kind of like that because it has that divide because let's say, I don't know, it's a weird example, but let's say I'm at the mall or I mean, malls aren't really happening anymore. All right. Uh, Fast forward to where there's no pandemic and I'm at a concert now and someone screams out, hey, Tommy, uh, like I'm in a different mindset. I'm like, oh, wait, this is like a high school. This is a buddy. Uh, whereas someone says, hey, Thomas. And then I'll turn around and be like, OK, OK, don't don't be the degenerate that you are. You got to still be somewhat professional and say hi to whatever greeting. But with all that being said, um, this is a terrible, terrible uh, segue of saying, you know, my additional names that I was going to be named was Howard. So I might have been a Howie. 
or oh man there was one other name i completely forget but i know it was howard was it pretty much it was between howard and one other name and my mom did not like either of them um and these are christian names because uh my uncle is a pastor so uh christianity was a big part of you know my family's life so they wanted a christian name and it, once again i i it's things i can't remember but it was between something and howard and my mom hated it and the pastor left the room and my mom had a bible next to you know her little bed and she opened it and she just saw Thomas and she was like, oh, okay, that's so much better than Howard. So it's almost like I was the consolation prize. They didn't really put a lot of thought into my name, but they're like, all right, this is at least better than Howie. So I don't think I fit a Howie. I definitely fit a, fit Tommy a bit better, but for you, Teamer, what are other names that uh, might have been your name? And what is the significance of that name? Like I've never met another Teamer. Uh, I don't think I ever will. And I never really want to because you kind of set the bar pretty high for other teamers. But I know I kind of talk for like 10 minutes there. But uh, yeah. So what other names were in consideration? How do they get to teamer? What's going on? I low-key love the idea of you being called Howie. But Tommy works so much better. <laughs> Hello, Howard. Or how are you? How are you? Um, <laughs> that actually sounds like someone saying, how are you? With like a little bit like a childish. Like, how are you? That would have been oh, a, anyway, sorry. great podcast name. But to answer your questions, um, <laughs> if I was born uh, female, my name would have been Wiggy. Oh, my. Okay. Sorry. I know I said Teamer is no one other. You are now Wiggy. I'm changing your name on my phone as we speak. Yeah. So my parents um, really wanted to give me an interesting name. So um, they chose Wiggy from my dad's side of the family, the Filipino side. Um, And that's a name that has been floating around that family for a while. And to my knowledge, I don't think there are any of those currently. And then my name, Timur, um, it comes from my mom's side of the family. It's a Swedish name. So my mom's side is Portuguese and Swedish. Um, And this, I get my name from my great grandfather. And uh, no, not grandfather, great grand uncle or something like that. Um, and then it goes back from there. And there are a couple other teamers out there that um, may or may not be related to me. Who knows? It's become um, <laughs> a, definitely a rarer name that doesn't follow the pronunciation guides of English. Um, I was actually going to say, how often do people pronounce your name Tamar or something like that? Oh, this has been a personal journey. Um <laughs> It's every time. So either uh, if people hear it spoken, they'll spell it phonetically and not be able to find me ever. Or if they see it written down first, uh, they'll go tomorrow first. Um, And that's actually, uh, you can kind of see, I've I've changed my branding across all things. And now I spell out uh, either beside my first name, Mm -hmm. T-E-E-M-U-R, because it rhymes with femur. or I, I will like literally write teamer parentheses rhymes with femur Shevlin. <laughs> uh, and that, that, cause um, that's actually something that uh, one of my good friends at the school I teach at, um, she, I, I went like a solid, this is, that was probably year four. So I went three years with literally everyone on staff, but her calling me Tamar. Um, oh my goodness. And then finally she was like, you need to put your foot down. Like your name is your identity. And I'm like, ah, I've been doing it for so many years of just putting up with people messing it up. I don't feel like, and she's like, no, have a little respect for yourself. And then I did. And then uh, I've been really like pushing folks to call me, you know, the correct pronunciation. That is the most teamer story I've ever heard. He has a heart of gold and would not want confrontation. So I could totally imagine him going literally, what'd you say? Did you just say three years? Yeah, it was three years. 
Teamer, come on, man. What are you doing? It, it was great because um the, the re she actually did it in the most absurd way where um we we were doing these stories of self. We had a brand new principal that year um, who was coming in and he was like, hey, I want to build connection with everyone. So can I get some volunteers to talk about their life story? And so I volunteered uh, to stand up in front of the rest of the staff, like 60 folks and tell about like who I am, why I ended up being at and that sort of stuff. That's the name of my school, which maybe I should not say, but here we are. Um, and it, uh, personally, unbiasedly, I think that's a I phenomenal a name. One, right? um, so oh, then yeah. she she very at the end of my story she was she just raised her hand very politely and I was like oh what's up and and she was like just just so we're all clear um could you tell us how you want your name pronounced and I'm like oh it's it's Teamer it rhymes with Teamer <laughs> and I I I, I um. Was there and like an audible gasp? Like a there, were, there were a couple of folks that like had a little light bulb above their head, and lo and behold, oh, no. that principal, who is no longer principal at my school, so I, I can point this out, he did turn around and immediately say my name wrong. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, it's Team Ryan's Dream. Okay, Tamar, thank you for sharing. <laughs> like that's at least you know maybe it was like a day difference, but like uh, it did not sink in. He is not our, he oh is, my for reasons unrelated, goodness. I believe he is not our principal. Though maybe we could build the story that he left because uh, he, he uh, invoked my wrath. You know, uh, everyone here on this podcast knows the real reason why. I don't want to spread any rumors, but we know. We know. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. We know. But I, I know uh, we kind of uh, got a little off topic, but you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to see this podcast episode saying featuring tamar and then they're gonna be like oh wait why does this tommy keep calling him t or teamer what's going on and you know now they'll never forget and like i said it's phenomenal and i love how um your parents want to think of a uh, unique name which is a surprise to no one i really want to go down this road but just for the sake of time i'm not but shout out to teamers parents you oh, oh no we, we gotta do another podcast where we only talk about our parents oh, because your parents that. need to either be on or they need their own episode but oh I'm trying to contain my excitement about talking about, but anyway, thank you so much for being able to get on. It's always a pleasure when our paths cross and things like that. But before I call it a wrap, are there any final words of advice, word of wisdom or open floor to say anything you really want at this moment? I guess the, the only thing I got is, um, it's, I can't believe I'm saying it like this, but, um, one of my, one of my classroom expectations as a teacher, I, I despise myself for bringing it back to teaching <laughs> the teachers like, coming oh, out. Here we are. Um, one of my expectations is just like simple life advice. It's, uh, you know, uh, be excellent to each other. Don't be a jerk. In the f phenomenal words of teamer. Just be excellent to yourself and to others. Tamer, thank you so much. And uh, I, I really hope a lot of the people got a lot out of this because I know I'm going to be reflecting on this conversation for quite a while. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Tommy. It was great talking to you. Now it's your turn to think about the question, what does it all mean to you? Don't be afraid to dive deep and really ponder it all. Until next time.